Now, sisters and brothers, if you are anything like me, first off, God bless you. But if you are anything like me, I bet that your life and your ministry has taught you that God is good. And all the time. And I bet if you are anything like me, at some point when you think about the goodness of God, you've heard words from our scripture that have encouraged you, that have built you up, and that have set you on to be a faithful member of God's church. Words like from the psalmist that are so meaningful to me. Some of you remember these words. The psalmist says that when we pass through the waters, the waters will not overwhelm us. And when we walk through the fire, we will not be scorched and the flames won't touch us. And if you're anything like me, you've heard those kinds of words And you've gone home after the sermon or after the Bible study and and, and you've thought about your own life. You've thought about the life of people that you know, good, godly people. You've thought about their lives, their witness. You've thought about your own experiences. And you think about those words that we will not be overwhelmed. We will not burn. We won't even get hot. And you think to yourself, well, that's not entirely accurate. I know some of you are thinking, oh, Brother John, he's one of them. He's telling us that the Bible ain't true. He's telling us not to trust the Bible. He's saying things in the Bible are not real. That's not what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm suggesting to you this morning. Think about your life. Has anything good, great, anything worthy of an amen ever happened to your life? Anything bad ever happened to you? So what I'm suggesting to you this morning is that we be careful. That we be careful with the way that we communicate some of these words. You see, friends, there are maybe a lot of reasons why some preachers like me don't like some of the TV preachers that you may like. Those guys probably park in their own designated parking spaces at church. Look, the whole church is laughing because they've all been wondering, how come he's not parking there? (laughs) When it becomes a kingdom issue, then we'll address it. But we need to be careful with these kinds of words that we hear from Scripture because, friends, what, what gets communicated in pulpits and what gets amened in pews all across, particularly our nation, is this. Because God is good, and since I believe God is good, nothing bad should happen to me. That's what gets told. What gets told. And friends, if you hear that, if you believe that, I just want you to know that that is not what this is really trying to tell us. You see, Scripture does tell us that one day God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Okay, side note. Let me, we're still new. We're getting to know each other. Let me tell you what my job is. My job is to say things that are worthy of an amen. Your job is to listen and respond accordingly. One day, God says, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. 
One day, there will be no more tears. There will be no more death. There will be no more crying. There will be no mourning. One day. But what does all that suggest about today? One day, every tear will be gone. One day, we won't know what pain feels like anymore. One day, we won't know what it feels like to be hurt. One day. But in the meantime, here, you know what happens? We get hurt. Things happen to us that bring us pain physically, emotionally, spiritually. And if our tendency is to believe that that shouldn't happen because God is good, I don't think we've been paying attention truly to what God has been saying. And you don't have to look too much further than the story of John the Baptist to see that. Now, I know when it comes Christmas time, I'm just assuming, I bet, around Christmas time here, just like in every other church, we get all giddy because we want to hear about the baby Jesus, right? We want to hear about baby Jesus in, in, in the, the little the cave, and we want to see him swaddling in the hay, and, and we want to sing away in the manger. Well, I'm just, we're getting to know each other. I'm just telling you right now, I hate that stuff. But anyway, that's say that for Christmas. But here's what's funny. Whenever it gets to Christmas time and we read about the birth of Jesus, we only get two stories to choose from. The story of Jesus being born is only told in two of our four Gospels. But each of the four Gospels talks about John the Baptist. And as a side note, anytime you hear anything from someone named John, you should truly pay attention. You don't believe me? You're not reading your Bible. But this guy, John, John is talked about as an integral part of the story of Jesus. You can't tell the story of Jesus without talking about John the Baptist. And unfortunately for most of us, he's that crazy guy in the desert who eats bugs. He's the guy with the crazy hair yelling at everybody to come to the water so I can dunk you and you can be saved. But if you're paying attention, John is so much more than that. He's not just in the desert. We know that because in the story we heard this morning, King Herod liked to listen to John think the king is going to the desert to listen to some guy? I don't. Now maybe he's saying, hey, I want to hear this guy. Bring him to me. Now, here's John the Baptist deal. When he goes to Herod and when he's around in the court and when he's around town and he sees Herod, he tells Herod what he really thinks. Oh, Herod, 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 Herod. I know what you've been doing, brother, and I'm trying to tell you it's against God. Now, there was something about John the Baptist that made Herod still pay attention. Maybe he didn't want to listen to him. 
Maybe sometimes he got tired of hearing him, but there was something maybe about the way he spoke. There was something about the way he talked that he was at least intrigued enough that he would keep listening. It's kind of like people and their and their preachers, right? You get tired of hearing preachers every once in a while, don't you? Don't answer that. Just keep paying attention. Look, you'll amen that, won't you? Just because, because Herod was intrigued doesn't mean everybody else was. In fact, as you heard, Mark says there's somebody else that just can't stand it. Herod may put up with him, John talking about him, but I can't stand him talking about me. But you know what John does? He keeps doing what he does. He keeps proclaiming the message that was given to him. He keeps saying the things that he believes are from God. He keeps being John the Baptist. He doesn't say, I'm John the Baptist until she comes up and then I'll be John the somebody else. He does what he was called to do. Now, it, it's funny for John, I think, attention to him again, we see that, my goodness, he must have struggled much like you and I do. There's at least a point where John the Baptist is wondering, who am I really? Am, am, I, am I the Messiah? I mean, people are coming to listen to me. People are following me. People are doing what I'm telling them to do. Could I be the one? Or is it really this guy, Jesus? You remember John was in jail once and he told his disciples, go and ask Jesus if the, all these things that he's doing, is he the one? Or is there something else we need to be mindful of? But even in his confusion, you know what John did? He kept doing what John the Baptist was supposed to do. Didn't change who he was. Didn't change the message God gave him. See, there's an aspect about John's ministry that we need to appreciate. John has faith enough. John has an understanding enough to be willing to speak to the power around him. He had to speak to the power of Herod. And if you don't think Herod had some power, did you not read and listen to the story we just read? It was at a silly birthday party where things got a little out of hand for Herod, he opened his big mouth, and before he knew it, he made a promise that he couldn't take back. But he was so powerful enough, he had to follow through. And he was so powerful that once he said, bring me the head of John the Baptist, the only thing that could happen next was for them to bring him the head. Now, you and I are reading that. We're reading about Herod all these years later, and we think that's pretty powerful. Imagine if you're John the Baptist and you know Herod one-on-one. You know he's powerful. But that doesn't change who you are. And it certainly doesn't take away God's power. You 
see, what's interesting about John's story is it mirrors, in some way, Jesus' story. Jesus, his life will end in a cruel way. People will want him dead the same way they wanted John dead. Now, with John, we don't know his last words. We don't know if he prayed for Herodias. We don't know what he did. All we know is that he died unfairly, unjustly, and in a cruel way because of his faith in God. You see, the waters seemed to overwhelm him and the fire got to him. Even though he loved God and even though he knew God was good. But I also think John realized that he was merely a part of something larger. He understood exactly who he was and he began to realize that there was a larger plan of God unfolding and that that plan of God involved him, but it didn't evolve around him. And I think that's where you and I, the church today, we get confused. When we want everything to go our way, because whether we say it or not or realize what we're saying, we expect God's plan to revolve around us. And what John's story might be suggesting to us is, <laughs> no, it doesn't revolve around you. It involves you. You are a part of God's plan. God puts you in places for you to serve faithfully. God puts you in, in times where you can use your gifts. You can use the things that you are good at. God raises people up to speak on behalf of God. But it's all part of God's larger plan. I don't know if you write things down during sermons. If you do, that's great. If you don't, that's okay too. But if you do, here's one of those Write this down statements. Even in the bad news, there's always the good news. Even in the bad news of our lives and what's happening all around us, there is the capital G, capital N, good news of Jesus Christ. Now, none of us like to hear bad news. I know I don't. I don't know about you. We don't like to hear bad news. But let me tell you this. You've probably heard this. You've probably talked about this. You've probably prayed about this. You've probably gotten angry about this. But it seems like, at least in many cases, we live in a what's called a post-Christian world. And what that means is there was a time supposedly when there were some values of our Christian faith that were respected and maybe even honored. But today, many of those values don't really mean anything to the larger world around us. If you pay attention, if you, if you hear, if you listen to what people say, the church is saying, we don't like that. And maybe with good reason. But let me ask you a couple of questions. 
do you think the world around John the Baptist was a Christian world? Do you think the world around Jesus himself was a Christian world? Did they get mad about it? Did they change who they were? Did they say, you know what? You're right. It's one of my pet peeves, and I know this. we'll get started on this. I hear it all the time. One of the things the church is so mad about is that we've taken God out of the schools. We've taken God out of the public sector. Let me tell you something, friends. Nobody in this room, nobody in this world is strong enough to take God out of anything. God's promises, I will be with you always. You see, the key is not to get mad, to throw a fit. The key is, is, is not to... To to, to pitch your tent and to say, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's going to be. So help me, Lord. Point is to say, this is still who we are. And this is still who God has called us to be. Even though everything around us seems so powerful, has the power to take us away from God, as the body of Christ, we don't believe that. We believe the only power that wins is God. And that's why we don't have to change God's message. God's message of love and reconciliation. God's message of salvation, hope, and of power. So friends, if you're anything like me, hopefully you see the life of John the Baptist And you see a man who, even though he was confused at times, even though I bet he was scared, even though he faced dire consequences for doing what God had called him to do, he still stood. And if you're anything like me, hopefully you see our Lord Jesus who does the same thing. And hopefully we can see them. And decide that could be our story too. So, we need to pray. Because really, church, we want to be strong, but sometimes we're not. Sometimes we want to sing when we're happy and sing because we're free, but we don't know how to sing if we're not happy or if we don't feel free. We need to be filled with the power of God so that we can be who he has called us to be. And if you want that to be a representation of your life, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Uh, It's a great part of our experience together that we pray here at the altar before the throne of grace. And if that is something that you're accustomed to, something that you want to be a part of, we invite you to to come down, any and all of you. Um, But friends, the important thing is not whether we pray up here or whether we pray over here. The important thing is that as the people of God, we pray together. So let us pray.
Oh God, it is your power that rules this world and rules our hearts. God, it is your hand that works that does mighty things and leaves us awestruck. Oh God, it is your love at work in the world that brings true hope, true forgiveness, and true renewal. But God, we ask you this morning first that as we praise you that you would forgive us because too often we let the power of this world scare us. We let the power of the things around us that are not comfortable, that are not familiar, take us away from who you have called us to be. God, we ask that you would work in our hearts this morning. That you would free us from the fear that we have of serving you completely. And that you would raise up a people, a church in this community and in your world, ready and willing to serve you and to love you by serving and loving your people without fear and with joy in our hearts. God, we are yours. We want to do your will, but we need your help. Fill us now with the power of your Holy Spirit so we can be ready. We can be ready to bring your peace to your world. In Jesus' name, then, we pray all these things. In the name of our Lord, who was teaching each one of us how to live when he taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 